This is Issues 2023. I'm Steve McIntosh, and our guest is Sedgwick County Health Director Adrian Byrne. Welcome to Issues 2023 again. Thank you. Good morning. I take it the cold and flu season is not over just yet? Not just yet, but we know that we are past our peak, but we're still hearing uh, plenty of people that are ill. How do you assess? So, how do you assess it so far? That it's been bi- bad, good, or heavy or long, light? Well, it, it, we definitely had a high season, flu season, uh, the highest in several years. Um, but all those preventive things that we learned during COVID, and we talked about before, as far as hand washing and coughing or sneezing into your elbow, keeping your hands away from your face, staying home if you're ill. All of those things can uh, really work to help prevent. You know, my wife and I got our flu shots this year again, and we've been flu-free <laughs> so far. Is it uh, too early to compute how effective the shot has been this year? I have not uh, seen information on that, but we, we know even if the, or even when the, the flu shot isn't uh, thought to be highly effective, that it still provides some protection uh, from uh, having severe uh, response to the flu and, you know, hospitalization and definitely can decrease the length of time someone is sick and severity. So what's the, I don't know know if this is fair, the efficiency rating for a flu shot, uh, can you compute that to 40%? it really depends. Uh, each year it ends up being measured because what goes in the flu shot each year is dependent on the strains that have been circulating in previous years. And we learned from COVID just how quickly viruses can mutate. And so that's why it's difficult for the flu vaccine <clears throat> excuse me, to always be uh, 100% or 80% effective because it it will mutate. All right. Now, uh, who, sh- who should get the flu shot, Adrian? Well, everybody should get the flu shot that is medically able to six months and older. Uh, and it's, you know, we're into March, but we still are seeing some flu, so it's not too late to get that flu shot, even though the best time to get it is probably October. Mm-hmm. What are, what are the months that you consider the the peak of the flu season then? You know, that can vary some as well, but typically January, February, uh, we're going to see the peak. But, you know, that, that can vary a little bit. Is it necessary to, to get a shot every year? It is necessary because, again, the, the, the viruses can change, and so, and the, the flu shot doesn't, protect us beyond a year you know and I, I'm sure this is anecdotal but I'm gonna I'm gonna put it in here and that is that Shelly and I have been uh, pretty good about getting flu shots about the past I don't know six seven eight years every year and so far it seems to have worked pretty well for us I mean uh, I, I have <laughs> I'm gonna knock on wood again but I haven't been sick for for a long long time and uh, I think I think that flu shot helps with your with the immune system overall well, and it really does. And at one point, 
years ago, more than, I don't know, a couple decades, I wouldn't always get the, the flu shot, be busy or whatnot. And then one year I got the flu, and you don't want to get the flu. It is very memorable. And so I've gotten a flu shot every year since then because it, it will have you down uh, for a week and feeling very bad. I'm thinking that I'm not sure I've ever really had a case of the flu if it's that nasty. I mean, I've had Well, some, good. I think I've good. had some. Just just keep it that way. I mean, and what, there, go ahead. Well, and there, there's something that people refer to as the stomach flu, but if there, but if there is really a stomach flu. It's called norovirus, and uh, we've seen a fair amount of norovirus this year, and it is more common in uh, colder months. But it's the number one cause of foodborne uh, illnesses in the U.S. It's stomach cramps, diarrhea, vomiting, and it is extremely uh, contagious. So, if, and, and sometimes nursing homes can, can have that, mm. uh, but it could be anywhere. So, it's, again, important to wash the hands with soap and water. And if someone has what they think is the stomach flu, to disinfect surfaces with chlorine bleach uh, and to not take care of other people or prepare food if you think you have what people call the stomach flu, but it's really norovirus. I think my grandkids have had that, uh, but it does, does it doesn't last very long, does it, Adrian? No, it you know it it can just last one to three days. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, cramps, diarrhea, and vomiting one to three days is plenty. <laughs> it's a long time. <laughs> it seems like forever. Okay. Yeah. Uh, well, have people been getting a COVID booster along with the flu shot this year? Yes, and because you can get. You can get them at the same time. People will choose to get one in each arm. Uh, but, yes, it is safe to get both. And uh, we still are seeing COVID. Now, it, it's still a reportable disease. Uh, all the individual cases we've been uh, transferring up to uh, the state health department for well over a year. But we are tracking COVID locally like we do the flu, because the flu is not a reportable illness unless the child dies. But with flu, we track outbreaks or clusters. And so that's what we're doing with COVID is we're, we're tracking clusters still. So it, it is still out there. And we do have the federal public health emergency ending May 11th. And what people need to know about that is that private insurers, doctors, pharmacies, will no longer be required to cover COVID testing or vaccines with no out-of-pocket. So for those that are insured, uh, it's it's easier for those that are, are insured because their insurance, of course, is going to cover it. But private insurers were not. They, they can now charge for COVID vaccine. That's good to know. Good to know. They're good to find it. Uh, now, now, can COVID have... Uh, a long-term impact on someone's health? Oh, my. Yes, it, it, it sure can. And, you know, uh, as we all know, COVID-19 it was, was new uh, three years ago. And so the long-term studies are still being conducted, but there are plenty of people, unfortunately, that have what has been called long COVID. And uh, some people cannot return to their level of functioning. And I'm talking 30s, 40s. It is not all, you know, 70 and older that are affected by this. Mm. They can have long-term pulmonary problems. 
the you know foggy thinking, the energy levels just aren't back to where they used to be, and they interfere. So, you know, the side effects that we can feel from a COVID vaccine for 24 hours, uh, it's nothing in comparison to getting ill and it having long-term effects. What about reaction to the vaccine or the booster? You know, they still have been uh, minor, uh, by and large. And there's, you know, nothing is 100% with with vaccine. Uh, There's always some slight risk, but it's a very small risk. And that's what we've been continuing to uh, see uh, as far as anyone reporting things to the uh, federal um, agency that tracks all, all kinds of responses that it typically is still feeling like you have a slight case of the flu or feeling very fatigued and um, not good for 24 hours, but then it's like a a switch and you feel fine. I would imagine, uh, speaking for myself, I wasn't crazy about wearing the masks, although I did. Uh, I'm seeing, though, that uh, every now and then you'll see somebody wearing a mask, and I guess that's not a bad idea during the, the flu and cold season. It is not, and I'll probably continue to wear like a K95 mask on a plane. Uh, It's important for people to realize that a surgical mask or a cloth mask, if they're one of few that have one on, it's not going to protect them very well. Cloth masks and surgical masks work when most of the people around us have one on. But if we're the one of the only ones that have it on, then we need something like a K95 mask that protects us from other people. Because those masks, like a cloth and a surgical, protect other people from us. One more question on COVID. Uh, do you think uh, we'll see another pandemic like that again? COVID, where it goes on for years, hopefully not. But I don't. we definitely didn't anticipate that COVID would be ongoing as long as it was, but we will see another pandemic. We had H1N1 in 2008, nine, and that was nothing compared to COVID, but something will cross the sea and uh, we, we will have something else. And that's part of the reason that we're working with our community partners so that we can all be better prepared to work together. Uh, when something else happens in the future. That's my next question, because uh, I know you've learned a great deal. We all have during yeah. the pandemic. So, uh, are, yeah. are you prepared then for something uh, well, as well as you can be? Well, yes, and we are spending the next year or so uh, ensuring that with documenting everything. And there's a lot to document and processes and policies and, again, working with community partners so that everyone can be working on communicating whatever the messages are mm-hmm. versus just mainly the health department because we can't reach everybody. We need people on the street. We need people, uh, employers and other um, public health entities to be aware of what's going on as well and feeling comfortable with communicating to their clients and the public because a lot of people don't uh, watch TV or have cable or do social media or right. have the newspaper. So it's just really important to have a lot of people knowing what's going on to be able to, to get the information to our community. 
You're listening to Issues 2023 on the Odyssey radio stations, and our guest is Sedgwick County Health Director Adrian Byrne. You point out something really interesting about modern communications and some sort of a crisis like that. How do you reach everybody uh, or as many as possible? There was a day when the newspaper would do that, or then yep. the radio would do that, then the television yep. would do that. And we've got all these mediums, mediums that are media are out there. But how do you reach everybody? And because I'm sure there are people still walking around who don't even know what COVID is. Well, I'll tell you that was one of the biggest criticisms that I heard early on was, you know, not communicating effectively. And I would ask people sincerely when they would tell me that. Tell me what I can do to reach other people uh, like yourself that don't have computers or social media or, you know, aren't aware when press releases come out. And like, I don't have cable TV. And so I know there are a lot of people that don't. So that's why we're really uh, focusing on connecting with our community partners so and like police on the street, sheriff officers, so that they are aware of what's going on and don't rely on other people or the health department to be the only ones because we can't do it all. It takes the community to be able to ensure that our residents um, have the information they need. You know, and I'm going to ask you some some general questions now about the health okay. department. Uh, and uh, I want, how long have you been with the Cedric County Health Department, Adrian? Oh, Steve, that has me feeling old when you ask me that question. Oh, no. About thir- 33 years. Oh, so did you, did you start right uh, out of uh, grade school? or how'd that No, <laughs> well, pretty quickly at, after grad school, about two and a half years. But I've been in this position over nine as far as health, health department health director. Uh, and where are you from? Where did you start out of? Well, born in uh, Pennsylvania, but uh, originally from Ohio, but I've been in Kansas since I was 21, so a long time. Okay. Now, now, how many employees are there in the in the health department in Cedric County? Well, prior to COVID, we averaged about 145, 150. During the peak of COVID, we got up to about 350 with contractual and then Cedric County COVID staff. Now, we still have about 180 uh, because we still have a lot of uh, planning uh, and preparing to ensure that we are more, that we have everything we possibly could have for the next one ready. Are you facing hiring challenges? Yeah, are there enough people interested to work at the county for the for We them? are facing challenges like everybody else. Um, definitely nursing staff, dietitians. We had to close one of our WIC sites. Uh, earlier, well, last year, because we could not hire dietitians or nurses. Hmm. So a lot of uh, people are paying higher wages, and the county's working on getting uh, more in line with that. Uh, But, yes, everyone I hear, it's still a struggle. As you look generally at uh, the health picture throughout the county, uh, what are the needs in terms of physicians and other health professionals such as physicians? Well, I think... With, with some of the packages and salary that we are hearing our nursing staff being offered by others, even in, in the social services, uh, it's, nurse, it's medical staff, nurses. But we've had some frontline administrative staff that have been offered positions for 10000 more a year, and, of course, they're, they're going to go because that's a lot of money. 
So it's just people, I think all businesses are doing what they can to try to recruit uh, staff. Interesting. So they've been, they've been raiding your people then. Okay. <laughs> yeah, uh, they have. They have. Share your thoughts on, on mental health care in the city and county. You know, that's been, that's been a hot topic here now for what, three or four years. It has, and COVID really brought to light just the the need for that. And, you know, ComCare uh, was able to, uh, because of uh, grants that, that they had, able to increase their salaries for providers, which were low, and they weren't able to maintain them. So they are hiring uh, a lot of people. They still have openings to fill, but we definitely need providers to provide uh, mental health services because if people didn't struggle before COVID, people started struggling in ways that they were not familiar with. And then people that were struggling, it just increased that with the isolation, um, just lack of contact with people, not being able to see loved ones in nursing homes. It, it was a real crisis and still is. Health education seems to be getting some attention locally, but well, the new, at least one new facility downtown uh, being renovated. Uh, so that looks good, but are we going to have? Yes. Are we going to have? Yes. A, uh, attracting a lot of people there to come in and, and study and being part of our health system. That would be great, wouldn't it? Yes, yeah. that is definitely one of the hopes in having that that partnership and that uh, biomed building. If that's what you're referring to, right? And then the the uh, the uh, we're trying to get a health facility down here, and and, and uh, been working with the state legislature. Have you heard any more about that? Whether that's a done deal, or whether we're going to get some sort of a facility here on on the. Mental health mental. facility. Yes, mental. Yes, they are really. Uh, I, I'm not quite sure where all the funding's coming from uh, yet, but that is definitely a priority for legislatures, a lot of them, and uh, for our commissioners. So, yes, don't know uh, when or where the location would be, but that is a priority. I know you do uh, have programs to help. Uh, uh, new mothers and expectant mothers and children. Tell me about the, the challenges locally to children's health. Well, it as far as providers, when it comes to mental health for children, they those therapists or play therapists that work with children are backlogged as well, and not all are taking uh, new uh, clients. And I know that, again, in COVID, uh, has a lot of kids struggling, and I've heard from teachers in, in elementary that they've never seen kids so far behind because of they weren't in school for for a whole year almost. So it it's uh, it has been you know not that they didn't have education uh, available to them, but it's it's just different. So it's um, COVID had a lot of negative effects on. on you know, doing the news every day, as I do, it's, it seems like I, there's at least one or more stories a day about fentanyl, whether it's local, national, or whatever. Oh, yeah. Has that, yeah. Uh, has that monster brushed against the Sedgwick County Health Department? Well, uh, you know, I found out uh, last year, I went at the end of the year, I went to a, like a town uh, forum, 
And prior to COVID and 19, meth, you know, methamphetamines were still meth. the yeah. main issue. Yeah. Well, I was shocked. And so uh, meth, uh, fentanyl has way surpassed methamphetamines. And we have so many deaths uh in 2022, related to fentanyl, that we still they're, they're still going through have two or three hundred drug-related deaths to go through to see just how many there are. So fentanyl is a huge issue, and kids need to know, or adults, anyone, that they can't buy anything off the street, even if it's not an opioid, because if it's made in the same house or building, that powder can mm. could I mean even a little bit of just the dusting can be enough for an overdose. For someone, so nothing is is safe to buy off the streets, and uh, it is very much a problem. You know, in our this community. this past week, I was in the in the morning, of course, early morning, listening in the newsroom to our police scanners and ambulance calls, and I, I think for the first time, I heard the word uh, Narcon. Uh, somebody had gone, somebody had obviously been unconscious, and they were reviving them. The person was coming yes. around using that Narcon. I guess all of our uh, many of our, if not all of our first responders, have a kit now. They do, and also uh, Safe Streets uh, really focuses on drug usage and opioids, and so they are uh, Safe Streets uh, coalition and entity that is out handing out uh, Narcan uh, wow. to people so that they can. They, they can have it if they need it to help save someone's life. Yeah. We are also ho- hoping that fentanyl strips get decriminalized because that will help save people's lives, even if they continue to use at least their life longer to maybe get to the place where they will then want to get into recovery. How do you serve people who, who can't afford health care? I mean, I, my wife and I have had health insurance almost all of our working lives, so we rely on that, but... I know there are people who don't have those kinds of things. How, how does how, how does the county approach that? How do you, how do you judge who gets well, gets the care? You know, n- not having expanded Medicaid in Kansas uh, makes makes it difficult for a lot of people. Uh, many are eligible and are on Medicaid, but because we don't have expanded, there are people that I mean they are really the underinsured, where any insurance they have is catastrophic. So they still can't afford to go to the doctor because of the copays. So we do have safety net. We, we do have, you know, uh, Guadalupe, and uh, that works with only uninsured people that aren't eligible. And then we have our, our uh, federally qualified health centers, uh, Grace Med and Health Corps and Hunter Health. Uh, but there is a fee, and people need to continue to be able to see the to pay the fee, or I think it's going to be a struggle for them to continue going. We do offer services at the health department, but not primary care. We offer family planning. And so if someone cannot pay, then they, that, is, that is not a barrier to them receiving uh, services What's or immunizations. A, what, uh, what, you get, what gets you out of bed and going in the morning? What do you like about being uh, the Cedric County Health Director? What's good? Well, you know, I, I like looking at what we can do to better our community. And one of the things we're working on is health literacy because it's not enough just to have uh, translated material. We need to have material that is more culturally uh, in tuned and racially in tuned so that it speaks 
to our, our community. Mm-hmm. But um, just being being part of that uh, and, and what, and you know. Adrian, I'm sorry we're out of time. Thanks for being okay. with us. Our guest, Century County Health Director, Adrian Byrne. As always, a good session. That's all for this edition of Issues 2023. And we will be back next week. Thank you for listening. I'm Steve McIntosh.